Today, I, I want to talk to you, as you may have seen in the graphic, um, about building momentum. I want you to notice that, that in, in the video, there was this wind, this gust of wind that, that started that first domino. And, and the Bible says the spirit, like the wind, um, he goes wherever he pleases. And so what we're asking is that he would come here. Um, that he would, and I don't mean here as like in a location, I mean here as like in my heart as an individual. Um, I love the song, The Blessing, and, and I believe it goes right in, and I'm all about praying the blessing. We do it every Sunday over you. Uh, I do it all the time over my children, but personally, personally this year, um, I'm, I, I want to start out this first weekend, this first day of 21 days of fasting and and prayer, concluding with a momentum conference um, that we have speakers planned for at the end of this month. I, I'm actually, instead of being interested in what God has to offer, I just want to be—I just want to be an offering. I just want to be an offering this year. Instead of looking for what God can do for me, I just—I want to discover more, like more so than usual, like more so than every other year, like at the beginning. I just sense, I sense in my spirit that we are supposed to, as individuals and as a church, grow closer to God than we ever have before and discover who we are in Him more than we ever have before. I believe that that is the momentum that we are building. 2020 will forever have a reputation. Some people are calling 2020 the worst year ever. And I just want to leave that up there for a second um, to illustrate the point. This is the worst year ever. You know, um, our, our superintendent, Pastor Scott Holmes of the state of Louisiana, Assemblies of God, he, he talked to a lady that is our, she is our eldest credentialed minister in the state of Louisiana. She's over 100 years old. She is our eldest credentialed minister. Um, he asked her, um, he said, sister, have you, ever, have you ever seen anything like this? And she said, oh, pastor. You know, she was being kind. She wanted to call him son. <laughs> oh, pastor, in a hundred years, I've seen a lot worse than this. <laughs> if you were born in the year 1900, just giving you a little bit of perspective this morning, as we go into a new year, it's really just another year. <laughs> it's another day. We, we put a date on it, so we'll do something different, which is important. But if you were born in the year 1900, on your 14th birthday, World War I began. And 22 million people perished. By the way, it was only within the last 100 years that there were even a billion people on the earth. Um, and now they're eight point something billion and, and growing every day. Hey, later that same year, if, as if World War I were not difficult enough, that same year this thing called the Spanish flu happened, and that kind of ruined uh, later on as it, it began, the, the, by the, your 21st birthday, that was kind of ruined, you know. It wasn't like go party at the casino because 50 million people had died from the Spanish flu. On your 29th birthday, you welcomed in the Great Depression. Praise God for that. And for the next four years, about 25% of the nation of the United States was unemployed. 
and uh, the entire world economy almost collapsed and didn't recover. By the age of 39, if you made it through those, Spanish flu, World War I, and the Great Depression, by not getting sick or starving to death or being killed because you were called to war, if you made it to age 39, World War II began. Just in time to try to celebrate your 40th birthday, but it was a little difficult to celebrate because 300 million people had passed away in your lifetime because of smallpox. On your 41st birthday, America was fully drawn in to World War II. If you made it through all of that and you weren't one of the hundreds of millions of people in those wars and Great Depression, Spanish flu, and smallpox, on your 50th birthday, the Korean War began and 5 million people perished. And you saw many of your friends and family, if not yourself, contract an annual summertime sickness called polio that would either cause you to be paralyzed or pass away. On your 55th birthday, you've worked hard. You're not dead yet. Uh, you lasted uh, 25 years through some of the most difficult times that the nation has seen. But um, you're in the midst of a, a brand new kind of spread of disease through the sexual revolution. And you are now part of a nation that is legalizing prostitution, pornography, and abortion. Congratulations to making it to your 55th birthday. Oh, at the same time, there's this race to space with the other most powerful nation in the world at that time. And somehow, a friendly competition turns into a cold war that ultimately becomes what is known as the Cuban Missile Crisis. And within a, a period of 13 days, we are one submarine torpedo away. I don't know if you knew that or not. There was a young man, historically, my political science professor at LSU Shreveport, told me this. He said there was a young man going across the city in Russia as quickly as possible holding a letter and he went to the main office and he jumped on the elevator to try to get this letter from the U.S. president to the Russian leader. And on the way up, the elevator got stuck. At this same time, there are two submarines in the Gulf coming towards one another. And the United States submarine general is on in directing trying to decide whether to push the button on the torpedo or not this young man is stuck I mean who gave the letter to a 20 year old run up the stairs son what is wrong with you he is beating frantically screaming a custodian just in case you didn't understand the importance of custodial work a custodian happens to hear this young man yelling in the elevator, forces the doors open, and sticks the letter up to the custodian who hand-delivered it into the meeting room, which caused a ceasefire before it began. One torpedo away from nuclear war in World War III. There was an overdue civil rights movement breaking out that most people weren't handling very well. 
And if you made it to 90 years old, you stayed around just long enough to catch the beginning of Desert Storm. Have you ever seen anything like this? The worst year ever. Was it really, guys? Or are we just kind of pampered? See, the power is in perspective. Hey, you made it. Like, you're here. You had enough food. Most of us too much. Come on, somebody. You've been looking forward to this fast. You've been, you've been packing it in like, like a bear preparing for hibernation. We didn't run out of water or toilet paper. Thank you, Jesus. That's worth praising God over right there. My children and wife got screamed at for how much they used just a couple of times, but we made it. We made it. Even when Bluebell ran out in 2015, we survived, y'all. We're still here. Praise God. Hey, you know what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So 2020, yeah, it was at least unexpected. And we have to ask this question this morning, what is this year going to bring? Um, more importantly than what is this year going to bring, let's ask this question. What would you have done differently last January if you would have known what 2020 was going to bring? Besides stock up on toilet paper. I mean, it's, that's the obvious See, because our minds automatically go to what we would do to protect ourselves physically, but what are we doing to protect ourselves spiritually? What would we have done differently if we would have known what was coming? We ask, what, what, what do we do? What do we do? I mean, that's what I was doing last end of February, beginning of March, throughout April. What, God, what do I do? I've never pastored through, I don't even know anybody that's pastored through something like this. And I'm calling different, everybody's got an opinion, come on, and none of them are really very good. <laughs> what should we do? Well, the disciples asked Jesus this same question in John chapter 6. This is right after Jesus fed 5,000 men, probably more like 20,000 women and children. And then the disciples go across the sea and Jesus walks on water, pretty impressive um, verse 22, the next day, the Bible says, it was like a new day. They had already seen some really cool things. But the next day, they stayed on the far shore. So, and they saw that the disciples had taken the only boat. And they realized Jesus didn't go with them. Verse 25, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Hey, rabbi or, or teacher, when did, you, when did you get here? Verse 26, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. He's telling them, you're only following me for what I have to offer. But I want you to begin to follow me as an offering, not because of what I have to offer. I fed you not because you understood the miraculous signs. In other words, Jesus is a little bit offended that they're asking, how did you get over here? He's like, I, I fed 20,000 people on two fish and five loaves of bread. What do you mean, how did I get? I flew over here. What does it matter? I snapped my fingers and, and I ended up over here. 
Do you not understand? You don't understand the signs because you don't believe in the Savior. And when you struggle with the Savior, you'll struggle with the Savior's signs. Verse 27, the Bible says, But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Well, that's easy for you to say, bread and fish, man. So I can make toilet paper multiply, I wouldn't have screamed at my kids. Shouldn't be so concerned about perishable things like food. That's an interesting passage to bring up on the first day of a 21-day fast, isn't it? Why? Because that's not what you were created for. That's just part of sustaining. Um, That's not part of producing. Spend your energy seeking eternal life. That's what we should do differently in 2021. Spend your energy seeking eternal life. The one that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. Verse 28. Watch them. Watch, watch. Uh, Lord, I don't know if you know this or not. But we're, we're under Roman tyranny right now. Um, we're a little bit oppressed. We don't have the right policies in place. Um, the wrong people are in office and uh, they're really threatening some things that are irritating me greatly. And so uh, if, if you could just give me some specific things to do. I mean, yeah, that's great. Like, just believe in me. Okay, yeah, don't, don't waste your time and your energy on, on perishable things. That's awesome. But, but God, we want to know how to perform. God's work. So we ask, what should we do see they thought like we think that God's love for them was based on their performance for him and they thought like we think that their identity is tied in their accomplishment and their their success and and the way that people know them their reputation on earth and in heaven it's based on what they do. And Jesus said, you don't understand the signs. You don't understand why I've come. Jesus says this in verse 29. This is how he responded to that question. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work. I don't do this to you often, but would you say this with me? Say, only work. I want, you to, I want you to say it out loud one more time. Only work. Because I, I, want you to, I want you to hear yourself say, and I won't do it again because I said one more time, but I'm going to do it three times in the next service because I, I really wanted you to. You might need to remind yourself over the next three, six, nine, twelve months, and maybe even ten years that the only work that God wants from you, this is what you should do, Jesus says. Is believe. Believe in the one. Just believe in the one he has sent. Now, we're going to try to do a little bit of an illustration today. Because I, I grew up, I grew up in, in church. And, and, and I, heard, I heard a lot of these messages. And, uh, and I know that you're not supposed to do this. And so, that's apparently, it's like... I don't believe in juju, I believe in Jesus, y'all. So it's, I'll go back again, close my eyes. If, 
I don't believe in bad luck. I believe in blessing and cursing. Come on. Um, we, look, we look at this ladder and um, we, I just, let's just imagine, if you will, this ladder is Jesus. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that Jacob saw the angels of God ascending and descending as if there was a ladder from earth to heaven and the only way to get to heaven and get back down to earth and back and forth was on the ladder. And then Jesus actually confirmed in the Gospel of John, I, I am the ladder which the angels and the, all of heaven ascended and descended. And so most of my life, like I spent my time assuming like I believe in Jesus. Because my idea of believing was, yes, that's Jesus. Like, I believe he exists. Here's, here's what, I, what I equated was I believed in Jesus, like, as Lord. But I didn't believe in Jesus as my Lord. So, like, I believe in the ladder. And I'm just going to set this down for a second because it's, it's in my way. Please don't spill. I want that tea. It's not coffee. I started something new. Yay. Okay, so, um, so I believed in this ladder. But let me show you what this word really means. See, believe, according to the Greek in this passage, it's the same word as faith that Paul and Peter and James will begin to write about. This Greek word is pisuo. And it, it literally means to have faith in or to trust in. This is what to be entrusted with. So like I am entrusting Jesus with my finances. Let's just go straight there on the first Sunday. I'm, I'm entrusting Jesus with my family, with my friends, with my time, with my talent. I, I'm not just... Yeah, I'm not just agreeing, yeah, he'd do a good job with it. No, no, no. This is not me trusting. Me saying, yes, I agree this is a ladder. I, yes, I believe this ladder will hold me. It looks, it looks sturdy and it looks... This is how most people live their Christianity. They're right here in their safe place, in their comfort zone... And then Jesus, the ladder, is over here going, I, I need you to get off and get out of what you find fulfillment in. And let me show you something different. See, this is what this word believe means. It doesn't just believe that it will hold me. I don't just believe that it, that it will hold me. I, I believe that it is holding me. And so this is my prayer of salvation. I just took the first step. It doesn't mean like, all right, I took the first step. I'm going to hang on until I make it to heaven. Help me, Jesus. I can hang on and not give I can hang on and not be first. I can hang on and just tie a knot. No, no, no. That's the first step. Just the first step. 
Now you're going to start taking some more steps. I just put more faith in this ladder. I just put more faith. I may have just tithed for the first time. Maybe I just fasted for the first time. Maybe I sat down in a corner for the first time or the first time in a long time to see if Jesus meets with me outside of a worship center. Now I'm beginning to serve. I think I might supposed to host a small group this year or maybe actually go to the one I signed up for. It's a new idea. I'm going to take another step because God is calling me. You want me to pray with who? God, I'm in a parking lot. You want me to do what? I'm in front of everybody. You want me to say what to my teacher? You want me to say what to my friend? You want me to pray out loud over my spouse? See, now I believe in the ladder. Down there, I didn't believe in Jesus. But up here, I'm starting to trust him in new ways and that is what that word means it doesn't mean that I stand in my safe place it means I take a step out of my comfort zone it means that I begin unlike ever before I believe that this is the word for 2021, I believe that eternal life, which has been on this wall for several years, but instead of just reading it and saying it, I believe that the only work that we're supposed to focus on, everything else we just get done. We give it our all as unto the Lord. But we don't make it an idol and include the Lord. Those are different. To know. Listen, hear me. I believe this is what God is saying in 2021. I believe we're supposed to know Jesus. I, I, mean, I, I mean like personally. Not, not through your friends. Or your spouse, or your staff, or your pastor, your grandmother, or your parents, or your children. I believe that you're supposed to know Jesus. The only, the only work. Instead of spending all our time and energy and effort and emotion on perishable things like food. <laughs> what an audacious statement to make unless he understands who he is the only work Jesus said that God wants for you is to believe spend your energy seeking eternal life watch this why is it so important that we would seek eternal life and why do I think that no Jesus is what we're supposed why 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 that why it seems so simple it it seems so mundane you know why because you've heard it too much but you haven't done it enough. See, if I, I say that in the bush of Africa to somebody that's never heard before, I lay hands and pray on them, their world is turned upside down. But we're just looking for another fix. To know Jesus, this one thing, focusing my energy and effort on eternal life. Why is that so important? Look at John chapter 17, verse 3. The Bible says this is eternal life. See, you thought eternal life 
you thought eternal life was just repeating a prayer. You thought eternal life was just you getting to go to heaven. No, no, no. That's a byproduct. The heaven as we know it, the heaven that everybody's after, it, it's going to perish. It's going to pass away. Like, we're not even staying there. We're trying to get to a place God's going to get rid of. Heaven, heaven is not a place. Heaven is his presence. You remember when Jesus said, this is how you should pray? Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. Like, not when I get there. Oh, when we all get to heaven. That's a terrible, what a horrible song. That is the worst doctrinal song that I, I'm telling you. That when I, what am I waiting for? You wait till you get to heaven and stand in front of a Savior. You're the one that had a talent and Jesus takes it away. That's the parable. That is the essence. This is eternal life. That they know you. That's what it is. Hey, friend, you don't wait till heaven to get to know Jesus. We get to know him now. If you wait, it's too late. And I'm not saying that you won't get to stay. I'm just saying you'll spend eternity wishing that you wouldn't have waited. That is eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes, pistuo, steps into the boat, onto the ladder, they would have eternal life. What is eternal life? To know Jesus. Not to know about Jesus. But to intimately know him. Authentically. I hate religion. I hate it. I hate symbolic, ritualistic garbage that leads nowhere. But you know what else I hate? Loose living and irreverence that doesn't understand structure and spirit filling. See, Jesus isn't in either one of those. He's right here in the middle where we get to know him. And then what we do becomes a byproduct of who we are in him. Because all we spend our real effort and our real emotion, we invest in knowing him above all things. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 4, look, I glorified you on earth. He's talking to the Father. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I did that. I did that. That was, that was just a byproduct. Verse 5, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence. With the glory that I had with you before the world existed. 2020, the year, the year of vision, turned into a year of violence. Unnecessarily destroying lives. Lives unnecessarily lost. Looting and businesses burned. And cities going up in flames. All kinds of evil all across the land. Guys, we weren't created for this. We should not be surprised when the signs of revelation begin to be revealed in our lifetime. It, it shouldn't give us an anxiety. It should give us an urgency. To what? 
to stock up on bullets and protect your house. No, no, no. To know Jesus and make him known. Not just as another year, but as if we just watched something that we did not see coming and we only know the God that knows what's coming next. But you know what? We can have confidence in him. 2020, without a doubt, shocking, annoying, (laughs) frustrating. Questions for some people that will never be answered. Whatever you call it, I believe it's safe to say that there were many things in this past year. Many dreams, many visions, many expectations that went unmet. Many things came to a screeching, a screeching, stay home kind of halt. And, and it's not over. So what do you do? What do you do when something comes to a screeching halt? Well, I'm not much on physics. But I understand what my teacher taught me in fourth and fifth grade. These laws... There's this thing in, in physics called resting friction. It is, it is the idea that, that it's harder to get something started than it is to keep it going. In other words, like, you can't get it moving. I, I can't help but say it. I, I can't help but think of Pastor John last year when we went to the gym. <laughs> and I, I'll tell him I talked about him. He'll, he'll find it entertaining. I mean, he made the video, right? But we, we, had, we had 315 pounds on the bar, and, and we were doing different things with it. It was serving some sort of purpose. I believe it was in January that we were doing that series. It was talking about the weights that we carry in life. And, and Pastor John, just playing around, you know, because he never does that, he decided, he decided to take that bar. And he was, at first he was going to lift it, and he was like, no, that's not happening. And so then, then he took it, and he started rolling it. And it, it started out slow because it was resting friction. Even though there was wheels, it was heavy. It started out kind of slow. Well, then he got going real fast, and he ran by the camera. Some of you may remember. He ran by the camera pushing that bar, but then he couldn't stop it. <laughs> and that bar drug him into, into the rails at the back of the gym. Because there is this resting friction. If you've ever watched the strongman competition, you may see them strap themselves to like a fire truck or a bus. And at first, they're... I mean, every vein in these mountainous men is exploding and they are pulling with everything. And then all of a sudden, they get that thing going and they're pulling a bus, a fire truck, an 18-wheeler. Because it takes more effort to get something going. But once you get it going, it's harder to stop. Physics says an object at rest tends to stay at rest. An object in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. In other words, to make a difference, you have to be different. You cannot continue to do the same thing and expect different results. You have to. If you want to draw closer to Jesus, you... If you want to grow your pistuo, belief, faith, entrusting Him, if you want that to begin to go in a direction that it's never gone before, 
If you want to move it from resting friction to faith in motion, come on somebody. If you want something significant spiritually, I'm not talking about blessing or favor. I'm talking about his presence in a way that you've never sensed it. I'm talking about his joy no matter what junk is happening in society. I'm talking about believing in his peace and walking with the helper no matter what is happening around you. If you want that, the Bible says this kind of faith only comes by fasting and praying. I don't like diets. I don't do diets. But I'll fast and pray. What is, what is fasting? It's breaking down something. It's disconnecting. Sugar, carbs, red meat, whatever God leads you to do. Daniel fast is pretty easy to understand and difficult to do. No meat, no sweets, no dairy. Have fun. I did it. I did it several times. And a couple of times I made it all the way through. <laughs> I did it a couple of times all the way through. I had a stomach ulcer one year. You know what the Daniel fast did for me? It revealed that I had stomach issues that I wasn't tending to. I was hurting myself physically. I would have never found it if I wouldn't have been fasting. If I wouldn't have done the fast that God told me to do. To the best of my ability. Don't turn it into legalism. Don't turn, don't turn fasting and praying into some kind of legalized religion. Don't do that. That's the devil. He wants you to focus on what you're not doing instead of who you are. You take that and every time you get hungry, you go to Jesus. It's a reminder. Every time that you don't drink that Coke. Every time that you don't eat that sugar. Every time that you don't drive through fast food. And you wait to eat until you get home. Whatever it looks like for you, daylight to dusk, there's this big new thing out there, intermittent fasting. I don't even know if I said it right. It's too hard for me to do. Maybe you just want to dive right in. we got people in our church that they just, the first day, they start liquids only. Actually, some of them started on January 1st, liquids only, which if you're going to skip a meal, peas and greens and cabbage is probably a good meal to just go ahead. Let's just leave that one out for the year. Just start liquids only. And so now I'm inspired. I'm like, oh, great. All right, liquids only, seven days. Praise God. Listen, I'm telling you, just do what God tells you to do, but do something. One food, one cultural. Turn the TV off. Take a break from social media. And, and parents, by the way, it is okay to train your children to do something with you. Don't make it don't make it religious. Train them. Teach them. Explain. Help them. Other kids are getting candy for the next 21 days, bringing treats and stuff. My kids are like, Adeline, not my children, the, the youngest two, they'll be like, say, Jesus, you're going to have to forgive me. <laughs> Adeline's like, we're fasting, mama. He ate candy. <laughs> Disconnecting from whatever you've been drawing fulfillment from disconnect but listen over the next 21 days read God's word like you've never read it before pray like you've never prayed before because hear me I'm not just interested in the habits that you can break I'm interested in the habits that you can build because if you don't build new habits in the next 21 days You'll go back to worse than you were last November. If you don't form what you fast, it's important. 
Because you, might, because you need to fast something that's probably in the way of what God wants to form. But what you form is way more important than what you fast. Because at the end of 21 days, I'm eating meat, y'all. Like, I'm back. I'm going to eat some cinnamon rolls on the way to church that Sunday morning. I'll probably wait till that next day. But I, what I fast is probably going to stop in 21 days. But what I form should last me for the rest of the year. It should be a daily routine, a new habit. Why? Because an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Prayer, let me give you this and, and I'll close. Prayer should, should be four things. They all start with S. I'm making it simple. This is not in your notes. You're going to have to write it down all on your own if you want this one. Prayer should be spirit-filled. That, I, I believe that's number one. Spirit-filled or spirit-led? You can define that however you want to. I believe it should be defined biblically, so let God show you what that means. Prayer can have structure. Spirit-filled, spirit-led, it can have structure. It's, guys, it's okay. You know what? You probably should pray more of God's word because it's really better for you to pray God's promises than your problems. And when we don't pray his word, we tend to pray out of our problems instead of praying out of his promises. If you've heard that before, just let it be as impactful as it was the first time. Spirit-led, spirit-filled, however you want to define that. Structured. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. It's okay to have structure. All the charismatics, man, we're like we, we broke the liturgy off of us. If it's not spontaneous, it's not spirit-filled. Nah, last time I checked, the Holy Spirit has a pretty good structure. He's an orderly spirit. But he's also spontaneous. See, this is when prayer gets fun. When you're in that moment and you're just praying this structured prayer and then all of a sudden, spontaneously, you begin to pray things you didn't even know you were supposed to. Spontaneously, the Holy Spirit starts praying through you and all of a sudden, you have a prayer language and you didn't even know you needed one. You know, nobody in the church has to lay hands on you for you to be filled with the Spirit and pray in your prayer language or speak in tongues. It's not weird, it's biblical. It's not weird, it's just not normal. Last time I checked, God didn't call me to be normal. Spontaneous. You know what prayer should be sometimes? Hear me, I'm about to mess you up. Silent. That's a new one. I dare you. To give God seven minutes a day of silence. Any thought, any desire, anything that comes up, you don't say anything but Jesus. You're rebuking it. You're getting it out of the way. So the devil is going to try to distract you when you sit silent with God. The devil's going to try to tell you you're wasting your time. You need to get up. You need to do something. Why? Because he knows that if he can convince you that your identity is based on what you do over who you are, then you'll never do what you were created for. Silence. Seven minutes. I mean, that's a long time. Just sit still and be silent. It's really not. Seven minutes isn't enough time to do anything these days. But then all of a sudden when somebody says sit with God for seven minutes, like, whoa, what? See, it's, it's just where we spend our energy. Perishable or eternal. 
I believe in 2021, the church specifically, using physics, should form an equal yet opposite reaction to 2020 spiritually. That's what I believe God's calling us to. And I believe that things are being exposed in the spiritual that would not have been exposed if everything would have just gone the way we wanted it to in 2020. But God's saying, I, I listen, I hear, I, I, I hear, I, I, I'm not Elijah, but I feel like, I feel, I feel like I understand what he was saying. I, I see, I, I just see in the air, I sense God is saying, I'm, 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 I'm getting done, I'm done, I'm, get ready. I'm, I'm shifting some things. There's some signs in the atmosphere. I'm not just going to let this continue. I'm not just going to let people stand over here safely and not climb on. I'm not going to do it, America. Your complacency has existed long enough, Western church. I'm about to do something different. And if you don't do it yourself, I'll do it for you. Remember, he's a father. Ultimately, he will do what's best for us. So I believe we're supposed to know Jesus more intimately, serve his people in a greater capacity, give more generously, and ultimately meet more people than we've ever met and grow grow closer to God than we've ever grown before. See, I understand that when the world begins to fall apart, I need to become more set apart. Because if the world goes into a recession, I'm not participating. Because I don't put my faith in the world's economy. I never have. And it took me a little while to get there. I'm not saying it won't be concerning. But it's it's not my fulfillment. When the world begins to fall apart, I know, I know for I know I'm supposed to become more set apart. Why? Because what happens is less overwhelming when I know who is in charge. But do you know him? Do you know him like this? Get ready, Dustin. Follow me. You ready? Do you know him like this? Or do you know him? (sighs) Do you know him like this? And if you know him right here, I believe he's calling you to know him right here. And you should never be satisfied with where you know him. Because he's not satisfied with where you know him. Do you know him? I close with this later on in that passage in verse 35 John chapter 6 Jesus said the reason you don't spend your time on perishable things like food is because I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never be hungry again whoever believes in me will never be thirsty but you haven't believed you haven't entrusted me with your time your talent your treasure You haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. There's the confidence that you can have in Christ. When you're coming to Jesus, you better be confident. When you're not, you better not be. But those who come to me, I will never reject them. So you don't have to beg God to meet you. He was waiting for you to ask. Verse 38, for I've come down from heaven to do the will of God. That's the one thing. He sent me. That's what I'm doing. Not to do my own will, build my own kingdom. Verse 39, this is the will of God. 
Well, this, should, this is probably important, church. If this is the will of God, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that only those who do the will of God shall inherit the kingdom of God. And now Jesus is saying, this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. What? For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and Pistuo believe in him should have eternal life. So you don't have to worry. Even if you get down, I will raise you up on the last day. Would you bow your head, close your eyes with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it does not return unto you void, no matter how many times we've heard it. God, I thank you that it will produce what it was sent forth to accomplish right now, this morning. Know Jesus. First Sunday of 2021. What's coming? Who cares? What should we do? Know Jesus. How do I prepare? Prayer. Fasting. Disconnecting to, from the world and reconnecting to God. What are you going to do differently that's going to make a difference in your life spiritually? Come on, ask him. You may want to get your phone out and begin to write a few things down. What are you going to fast? God, what do I fast? It's not too late. What do I fast? God, what do you want me to, what do you want me to lay down so that I can lean in more consistently? Don't put your health in danger. Some of you may want to talk to your doctor. What can I do without? Sugar, carbs, red meat, fast food, sodas, carbonated drinks, caffeine, energy drinks. Three days of liquid only. What, what addiction have you had for the last 20 years that you need to fast for 21 days and let God do in 21 days what you couldn't do in 20 years? What do you need to stop that will allow God to start? What do you need to fast so that God can begin? to form. I can't answer that question for you. I'd be up here guessing all day. But you know. You know. Write it down and start today. God, what habits do I need to form? What habits do I need to form? Oh, I need to pray more. Okay, write down when you're going to. Fail to plan, plan to fail. Write something down. Habakkuk, write down the vision when you write it down it becomes more than a good idea and now finally I ask this morning as we close do you know Jesus have you taken the step to eternal life I'm not asking if you know him as Lord I'm asking if you know him as your Lord I'm not asking if you agree that he exists I'm asking if you abide in him and his existence if I'm talking to you and you're in the house this morning or if you're watching online live or later if you need to make Jesus your Lord this starts with a simple prayer of confession but it becomes 
a powerful covenant. If that's you and you need to renew, commit, or really commit your life to Jesus here or online, I want to invite you right now to open your hands in your lap. I invite you to close your eyes so that you can focus all of your energy, all of your effort, all of your emotion, all of your being on Him. And open your hands and see Him. In your spiritual eyes, see Him with His arms open wide. You don't have to beg Him to come. He was already waiting on you. Church, I want to ask that you would say this prayer loud so that anybody that needs to pray will pray this out loud. And if you have your hands open in a posture to receive, now I want to ask you to take this final step of faith and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, let's pray it out loud together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short. I've been disobedient, distracted. I've even doubted. But I believe in you. Help me to trust you. Save me from myself, the enemy, and this world. You died on a cross. You paid for my sin. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new like you. Take my life. Make it yours. I surrender all to you. May I follow you with all of my heart on this day into forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give God praise this morning?